Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by Visa. We all have things we like to think about. Online fraud shouldn't be one of them. Because with every purchase, Visa prevents, detects, and resolves online fraud. Safe, secure, Visa. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. And today with me, I have Jonathan Strickland, one of our writers. Howdy. It's a, it's a good day to play a game. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of cloudy outside. We, we're, we're dealing with the remnants of a hurricane in Georgia. So, uh, it's a good time to just relax on the couch and, uh, plop a game in the old Xbox 360 and, uh, just take it for a whirl. Yeah, our uh, gigantic, editorial gaming room with every system that you could possibly imagine and gigantic screens to play them on. Right. The chairs the, suspended from the ceiling and nice little harnesses. It's awesome. Yeah. Exists only in our imaginations. Right. We don't have one of those. Right. But uh, we were talking about game developers and how cool it is that uh, that some of the smaller developers are starting to get a foothold in the market again. Right. And in the, in the console market specifically. Right. Because they've always kind of been around in the PC market. Uh, and, uh, and the Internet has really opened up the opportunities for people who are developing games for computers, whether it's web-based or whether it's something, you know, you download from a site. But video game consoles for a long time uh, – really didn't have that many independent developers uh, producing games for them. And uh, there's a few reasons for that. Well, first, let's, let's kind of look at the, the recent past and how video games were developed. Uh, you, you have these enormous video game 
software corporations. Um, and many of them have entire departments dedicated to produce just a single game. And some of the games cost millions and millions of dollars to produce. Um, like, uh, uh, there were reports that Grand Theft Auto 4 cost like a hundred million dollars to produce, which is, you know, you're, you're talking about a Hollywood movie at that point. That's kind of a, a huge, that's a huge number. I mean, there's no kind of to it. Um, and these games are so complex and so, uh, resource heavy that they require large groups of people working together to produce them. You can't, you know, you can't have just one or two people working to, to create a, a game of that size. And, um, Case in point, I mean, Take-Two Interactive, right. the, uh, the company that, that produces Grand Theft Auto at the point of this podcast, as we talk now, um, <laughs> time of press, right. um, they are in discussions with Electronic Arts to, uh, to work out some kind of combination. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to, if they decide to merge or uh, agree to be bought out, however they, they structure it, they're doing so. Because of the cost about of the resources that EA would be able to give them to produce additional games in the future, right? Yeah, and now this isn't the way things always were back in the day, uh, a day that Chris and I could actually remember. Um, <laughs> video games were simple enough where it was entirely possible for a person or a small group of people to produce a game from start to finish. And put it on mar- on the market and uh, and make money, and um, like in the good old Atari twenty six hundred days. Oh well, we're not even you know a lot of the people I've read several interviews in gaming magazines that said that uh, a lot of these guys who are producing these high tech, super amazing, immersive gaming uh, interactions, they all started programming on their Vic twenties and Commodore sixty fours. With the, uh, the code that they used to put in the back of some of the magazines then, the computing magazines. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it used to be where you would find, you know, the local kid in your school and he had written this game, you know, after school and they would distribute it on floppy disks with a bag with a little instructions. Right. Yeah. You know, for, I don't know, what, five bucks or something like that. And even big, quote unquote, big developers. Uh, would would do the same kinds of things. You could write off and and have them mail you the game. Right. Yeah. Actually, a big uh, floppy disk. You know? uh, a guy I know did exactly that. Uh, Richard Garriott. Um, who's, was he uh, Was he any good at it? Uh, he, he yeah he was uh, he had some uh, he met some success. Uh, Richard Garriott <laughs> or, or Richard Lord British Garriott, as he's often called, um, uh, produced the Ultima gaming series and then uh, went on to do many other things. Um, he's trying to go off into space right now, as I understand. But the Ultima series really was incredibly popular. And that was one of those series that was born out of a single person working on a game, just something that he thought was interesting. He was inspired by the Dungeons and Dragons uh, paper and pencil game and worked out of his uh, his parents' garage and with his brother and formed origin game systems and the rest is history. So, but that was back when it was possible for a person or, or a couple of people to create a game. And then what happened was with the, with the console system in particular, Atari 2600, you, the, the market became flooded with lots and lots of terrible games. And I mean horrible, almost unplayable games. I've got many of them in my basement if you I, want to try them. I have played several of them. I, I can admit right now, I am one of the people who did own 
the Atari 2600 ET game. Oh, no. Widely considered to be the worst <laughs> video game of all time. I can tell you that it's pretty bad, but you know what? I had a Raiders of the Lost Ark game that I think might might tie for as horrible as the ET game was. You know, but, we're, we're off uh, Steven Spielberg's Twitter list now. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Spielberg. Um, but at any rate, all these games flooded the market, and it, it caused the market to crash. Uh, people got, got fed up. There was no way to tell if you were going to buy something that was of, of any quality or not. And people kind of moved to the computer systems, and they got away from the console systems. It wasn't really until Nintendo came on the scene that the console system kind of had a, 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 a renaissance, if you will. And part of the reason was that Nintendo was almost draconian in what could come onto its system. They had very specific guidelines and uh, and quality control. So you didn't have the glut of really horrible games on the Nintendo system like you did with the Atari system. I'm not saying that every Nintendo game was great, but there was there was a much better ratio of good games to crappy games on the <laughs> Nintendo system. And uh it, it's it's actually continuing on like that today. If you look at uh games for the Wii, you'll see the official Nintendo seal on the right. outside of the box that tells you that it is in fact licensed by Nintendo. Right. Now now this is bringing us up to current day. Now current day, you know, we get past the 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 point where you have all these huge video game systems that are spending millions of dollars and and really um uh kind of kind of uh monopolizing the market in a way away from the third party developers or the the independent developers rather. Um well, now we've got a couple of game companies uh, or um, game system companies, Nintendo and Xbox, that are allowing people to create their own games uh, and even sell them across the uh, their their internet-based um, services. So with Nintendo, it's called WiiWare, and with uh, Xbox, it's the XNA Creators Club. Um, but it's these are the these these allow people to create their own games, uh, whether it's you know one person or a small group or whatever. And upload it. It gets peer reviewed. They can be um, uh, set out on the marketplace, and people can actually buy these games. You can make money doing it, and it takes a lot of the expenses out of producing a game out of the equation. You don't have to worry about distribution anymore because it's all over the internet. So you don't have to produce the hard copy and the the box and the documentation. All of that can be done electronically. You just have to convince them to uh, to carry the title in their store. Right. Yeah. That's um. <laughs> that's still that's still a big step. Uh, it's a bigger step with Nintendo than it is with uh, Microsoft. Like Nintendo it's the quality control. Thing, right. Exactly. Right? It's that same thing we were talking about with the consoles early yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they have um they have a, a develop developers kit that you can purchase for two thousand dollars, and uh, once you that immediately kind of. Uh, will will uh, cause certain people to say, you know what, I'm just not even going to bother, and that that cuts out a lot of the the crappy games right there. The people who are just curious because no one's going to drop two grand just to find out if they can do it, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit rich for my blood. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm out. I wouldn't be able. To, yeah, I'm done too. <laughs> but uh, that you also have to become a licensed developer with Nintendo in order to offer your games on their system. Otherwise, uh, you know, it, it, they won't carry it. So there is some quality control there. Now there's – once you're licensed, you could create whatever games you like and uh, they'll carry it based on the um, the ESRB rating. So uh, – which is, of course, the, the rating system that tells you whether or not – you know, what age level the game is appropriate for. So um, they're not as draconian as they used to be, but it's still a pretty tight grip. 
Uh, Xbox is a little more loose. They, um, you, you have to have a, a, a premium account with the XNA Creators Club, which costs about $100 a year. So it's a subscription-based thing. Um, and then you get, you get access to their developer's kit. Uh, everything is programmed in Visual C Sharp. And um, you use that to create the games. You upload them, and the, the community kind of uh, peer reviews it. And if it passes muster, it can hit Xbox Live Marketplace, and people start downloading it. Well, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, I was reading actually the other day, and we're not just talking about completely about consoles. There are other uh, consoles that uh, you may not think of as consoles that uh, would be affected by this. I was reading a report in Macworld. Uh, you know, people are, if you go to the uh, app store on your iPhone or iPod Touch or in uh, iTunes, you can you can poke around in there, even if you don't have one of these devices. Um, there are independent developers developing games for the iPhone and the iPod Touch. And uh, there was an article in on August 25th in Macworld uh, called A Tale of Two Tetrises, and an independent developer... <laughs> named Noah Witherspoon, uh, developed a game called Triss. And it's basically, uh, it's very similar to, let's just say it's really, really similar to Tetris, to the point where the Tetris company actually has threatened him with legal action, and he has removed the game from the uh, the iTunes store. But, um, you know, even on, on, a, on that level, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, the PlayStations and the Xboxes of the world. I mean, there are people who develop games for these other systems. And if you wonder why people might actually want to do this, uh, it may not necessarily be to get an extra, you know, 20 bucks for 15 people to download it. The more people do this, the better they get at it. So some of these independent developers of today are going to be the people like Take Two or, right, you know, right. or the uh, Square yeah, Enix could, of tomorrow. They could be the next big video game Manufacturer and some of them actually come from that background already, but they sure. got out of it for one reason or another, and and now they're making the games they always wanted to make. Because that's the other side of the coin of the the big manufacturers versus the the, the independent guys. Um, a lot of the big video game companies they're going to concentrate on games that have a proven track record, so like first person shooters and and real time strategy and and resource management games, things that that people know there's a market for. Whereas your independent gamers, our developers, they're they're more likely to um, experiment and really try some really bizarre new things that that no sane video game company would pour money into, and it may turn out to be the next big hit. Sure, you never know. I mean, uh, Jonathan Blow with Braid is a good example. Yeah. That's 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 the current uh, golden child of the uh, independent developer community. Um, and it's it even you could even argue that it's not that innovative. A lot of people have comp- com- compared it as a sort of a a mixture of Mario and uh, Prince of Persia because you have a time uh, time management thing where you can you can rewind time and uh, but even so, it's it's something that probably no major video game company would have poured resources into, and now it's on Xbox Live and you can download it for like fifteen bucks. Yeah, that's going to be a, a, a big opportunity for, for some people to get their feet in the door, especially uh, considering um, I read a, an article um, in Ars Technica. was basically covering a, a report in Screen Digest talking about how games are 50% more 
expensive to make for this current generation of consoles than it was for the previous generation. So uh, we may be seeing the end of the middle class developer, if you will. You may see the just the big names who can afford to do it and the, the little, little guys, guys who are willing to take a chance and, wow. and do something to get their, their foot in the door, uh, you know, to get them get their name out there well, until you, they get picked up and become a big right. <laughs> Well, the cool thing is I think no matter which way you slice it, it's a really good time to be a gamer. We all have things to think about, like, say, what's the best site to buy a new leather jacket, or whether to buy the three or six megapixel camera. But thankfully, we don't need to think about online fraud, because for every purchase you make, Visa keeps an eye out for fraud with real-time fraud monitoring, and by making sure you're not liable for any unauthorized purchases. How's that for peace of mind? Safe, secure, Visa. So for my fellow gamers out there, game on. I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about these kind of topics, you can read our articles on uh, how the Xbox 360 works or how the PlayStation 3 works or how the Nintendo Wii works. All of them can be found at HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.